You are listening to The Breakup Evolution, a collection of real-life vignettes of how people move on from heartbreak because matter-of-factly, breakups suck. They leave us flat on the floor, crying insufferably, and in my case, taking a same-day flight out of Chicago to never return. Each episode is a tale of one stranger sharing their breakup story, but more importantly, how they moved on and evolved from the relationship. This is about the aftermath, how we pick ourselves up after the end of being so close to someone for so long. And we are going through a Breakup Evolution remix, or I guess an evolution in itself. Because it's not just romantic breakups that cause us to shapeshift our identity. It can be a relationship to a friend, or in one case, an ex-NFL player with his breakup with football, and in today's episode, a breakup with alcohol. Today I'm talking to Victoria Vanstone, author, ex-pint stealer, and podium hogger, mother, fizzy water warrior, and that's her description in her own words, and I had to use it because it's so brilliant, and after a chat, I have to admit, so accurate. Vic is the creator of the blog Drunk Mummy Sober Mummy and the sober social community for the sober curious. We delve into her relationship with alcohol over the years and how she realized it was time to finally break up. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Vic has a way of inviting you into her life as a close friend, being extremely candid about experiences that can, can be quite dark but also doing so with humor. Oh, and just a heads up, that whistling or chirping that you'll hear throughout, those are wild parrots at Victoria's house. She even sent me a picture of what it looks like. Picture luscious, luscious greenery, tons of trees, birds, and I think she even mentioned a giant lizard. So, Picture this while you're listening to our conversation and let it set the scene. Hi, I'm Victoria Vanstone. I write a blog, drunkmummysobermummy.com, and I live in the Sunshine Coast in Australia. I'm originally from the UK, but travelled a lot in my youth and ended up here in Australia. I started drinking when I was about 13, stealing bottles of booze out of my parents' garage, and it was just a progression from then. There was a bit of a ladette culture, they call it in England, when I was in the early 90s. And it was a kind of form of, I think it was trying to almost be feminism, where women were trying to sort of drink men under the table to, to sort of prove their sort of masculinity, I suppose, but or femininity in a way. It was always a sociable, a sociable form of drinking, so therefore it kind of went under the radar a bit it was absorbed by everybody else that was drunk around me. So nobody ever picked me out of the crowd and said, oh, you've got a problem. I was just kind of going with the flow. So that's why it was so such a long process for me. It continued into my hedonistic 20s where drinking led to me being quite promiscuous. It led to recreational drug use. I, I was just a party girl with uh, no off switch. So... For me, drinking became my persona. I felt like part of something. Drinking made me feel accepted. So I was in pubs, clubs, bars, raves. <laughs> you know, I. it took me a long time to realise that I was the one always creating the party. I was the one 
bringing the party with me. So, so it was really unavoidable, even though I felt at the time that I was involving myself. If somebody invited me around for a cup of tea, I'd arrive with a bottle of wine and, you know, ice and a slice. It, it was me dragging, dragging a, a a party with me wherever I went, which I thought was brilliant at the time. And in fact, everybody else thought it was pretty brilliant until it all came crashing down, which it crashed down many times over a long, long period. But but I thought I was fun and I thought drinking is what was how I fitted in. So uh, I didn't know another way of being. So if you don't know another way of being, it's impossible to see outside of that bubble. So it just became who I was. And that continued into my 30s all the way to the point where I had my children. I remember that I've always watched my family have always been the life and soul of the party. And I just remember feeling like I want to be part of this. And I felt like perhaps if I was to continue the behaviour that they were expressing then perhaps perhaps it came down to a very simple thing that perhaps they would love me more if I could if I could show them that I was part of what they enjoyed and I just remember thinking god they look so happy and relaxed and everybody's having fun and god my parents are such good hosts I thought well I I need to join in join in this this um this kind of escapade of of being the host and the hostess with the mostess I wanted that reputation. So from a very young age, I felt like I was desperate and destined to be a binge drinker. It was kind of seeing seeing by example of your family of how they interacted with alcohol and seeing that as an example of how to socialize. Absolutely, they're who I looked up to. So they drank in a way that wasn't harmful for us, for our children. I had a lovely upbringing yet the way that they drank at the weekends was something i absorbed into my spongy little child brain and obviously couldn't shake off and um, and just that became who i who i was as i grew how would how would you describe um just like the act of drinking for me it was never really a, an enjoyable moment it wouldn't be a nice glass of wine or a special ale or something like that. It was more get it down your neck as fast as you can and enjoy the results. There was no thought process that went behind it. It was like, let's get pissed, let's get silly and and see what happens, see where the adventure might take us. There was no ever any control in my drinking habit. It was always out of, very out of control and usually ended in a blackout or an injury or a hospital visit or me in bed with somebody that I didn't know. Sort of pointing someone out on a dance floor and heading back to their place. I mean, that was pretty much it. I woke up often with people that, I, that I'd that i never really even seen before. And I feel quite self-conscious about that now. I'm happy to talk about those sort of experiences, but it's not as funny as it used to be. Now I realise mm -hmm. that I had, I was abandoning myself, abandoning my, my heart almost on a weekly basis. I was losing myself in the alcohol and therefore giving myself away, giving my body away um, to anybody that seemed to show an inkling of liking me. So I think deep down there was definitely some 
some self-awareness and some self-doubt because I, I didn't really have any worth during that time. I just thought, um, if I sleep with this guy, I'm going to have a funny story the next day for my mates down the pub. Everyone will laugh and we'll have a Bloody Mary and carry on the booze session. I didn't really consider myself in any of these situations. That's what alcohol did to me. It took part of my, my persona, part of my personality out. The bit that cares, the bit that loves, the bit that you know, worries about herself. It, it, it removed that from me, led me to abandoning myself and putting myself in some very, very horrible situations. I mean, there were boyfriends along the way. There were some lovely boyfriends that I had. But throughout all of those relationships, I would say that heavy drinking was involved most of the time. And again, it was never considered a problem because whoever I was with, I always picked out people who were on the same kind of crazy train as me so it was it was always considered a frivolous type of drinking but in the end my drinking led me to jump into relationships that were not thought out so in mentioning you know in in some ways alcohol can lead to recklessness and and losing a part of oneself do you think that would have happened without alcohol as a facilitator definitely not i don't think so mm. I mean, there is a sort of teenage need to fit in and a need to be accepted, which I'm sure people do give into peer pressure a lot um, at that young age. But no, really, I I didn't have clarity during those years. Um, so I I think drinking definitely it loosened me my my mentality, my decision making was was not clear. So I. I made very, very poor decisions when I was drunk. Um, one of them being, uh, relationships aside, one of them being um, that I blew off my finger with a firework on the millennium night. <laughs> I mean, I'm mm -hmm. laughing about it now, but like decisions like that, decisions to light a firework at four o'clock in the morning after drinking loads of red wine on the beach in Thailand, a very stupid thing to do. So definitely, I don't think anything, any of those things would have happened without booze. I think I probably would have led a much more functional, you know, life. I would have been much more available. I could have given more to society. I think I would have been a more, you know, a better citizen of the world if I, if I hadn't been so drunk for so many years. During that time, did you ever um, have an awareness that uh, this was too much or had attempts to to try and stop drinking there were many wake-up calls to be honest that i ignored because i couldn't consider like a, a sober life was so far off my i just out of this world for me like i would sort of snarl at a sober person if they came near me at the pub because i hadn't i couldn't understand them i couldn't be near them and, and if somebody was sober near me i was concerned that they would remember what i was doing and i certainly didn't want that so sober people were not something I could possibly consider. Yet, over many years, there were a lot of situations, one of them being me ending up in a violent relationship um, where I'd met a guy in a bar. Um, we were traveling around the world at the time, and it ended up with me on the side of a road 
with a black eye. And that relationship was really caused by alcohol. I'm not saying that it was my fault because it wasn't my fault that he was a violent man. But I think if I hadn't been drinking during that time, I would have been able to see that this wasn't right for me. And I, instead of, of dealing with the issues, I pro think I probably drank through them. And that's the same with my entire life. I think I drank through things rather than deal with them. I didn't try and stop until I had my first child. That was really the first time I'd had a real consequence to my drinking. Um, and I mean, I, I still didn't stop then. I'm not saying that I just had a baby and then went, oh yeah, I'm going to stop drinking now. It's nowhere near as simple as that. I had a baby and I tried to combine my two lives, this hedonistic party girl and this mother. For a few years, I tried to be a rock star mum and I tried to kind of parent during the week, be the best mum I could possibly be, have the right pram, the cotton wraps and just be this, this sort of perfect mum. And then by the weekend, I was over it and I was gagging to go out for a wine. So, you know, I met a lovely mother's group. We were all having paleo snacks in the park during the week. And then by the weekend, I was wanting to tear my shirt open and, you know, sing Blondie on a dance floor. So my drinking changed. It became less frequent, but the gaps between my drinking meant that I went harder each time I went out. So after I had my first baby, I did slow down, but... I didn't go out for a month or two and then the party really went off. So, so yeah, my drinking changed, but the consequence of the baby definitely had repercussions in itself. I see. So at the time around your first child, it was, the drinking was less frequent, but it was still probably the same in like uh, quantity because it was just more on the weekends. Yeah, definitely. And the, the problem with that was my hangovers. I mean, I've always had hangovers and they've always been pretty bad. I've always been in bed for sort of 12 hours, not being able to move my head and running to the toilet. It's not a pretty, it's not a pretty sight. But when I had a child calling me or crying in the bedroom beyond my hangover for the first time, something crept into my bones. I suppose it was guilt and shame and all of these things that I'd never really dug deep into, I might have just shaken them off with a with an Alka-Seltzer the next day. But with each time I went out and with each drinking session where my husband was left to look after our gorgeous baby on a Sunday, I felt terrible. I felt mean. I felt like I was a terrible person, a terrible mother. I felt like I was letting everybody down. The guilt and shame just completely destroyed me. But because alcohol was so ingrained in my life, I I tried to slow down, but moderation was a myth for me. I mean, I went out every weekend. I had waters between wines. And for four years, I, I tried to do dry Julys and promised myself I'd do better, be better and be a better drinker. But, but I failed every single time I tried. And then I got pregnant again, somehow. Um, and even though I could see that drinking was affecting my life in a negative way, six weeks after my second baby was born, I did go out and get hugely drunk. 
I, because being a mother is hard. I mean, I have to highlight that. It's not as simple as you think it's going to be when you get pregnant. It is a massive change. And I, the transition from party girl to motherhood was very, very hard. So I found from being going out and being independent to being stuck at home changing nappies a, a very difficult time. And then I had another baby and a four-year-old and I found that hard too. I admit it. There was a lot of times where I felt like running down the road and not coming back. But of course I didn't do that. I loved my family and I loved how they made me feel and, and they were huge. I just loved them more than anything in the world. But six weeks after the baby's born, I went to a local pub with a friend and just got absolutely plastered and woke up the next morning and I think I just got to a point where I just simply had enough. I could not do this anymore. The baby was crying. He needed uh, my little daughter. I had a son four years before, and then I had a daughter, Nellie. And I could hear her crying, yet I couldn't, I couldn't be with her. And for me, that's when it all came crushing down, was, was after trying so long and failing for so long and realizing that actually I needed help this this was never going to end and that nine month window of sobriety with both of those children I'd seen a different person I'd seen who I truly was and I liked myself and actually I'd, I'd had a few social occasions even my wedding was my first ever really social sober social event because I was three months pregnant at my wedding and I'd noticed that I was happy sober i i could i could converse with people and interact and and walk away without any feelings of regret and wake up in the morning feeling wonderful and not having forgotten everything that's happened the night before and all of the culmination of all of those things happening in that period caused me that one morning just to go i literally i can't do this anymore and i remember just walking out into the lounge you know my horrible dressing gown stinking of a cheap chardonnay and saying to my husband look i i think i need help this this binge drinking habit is is totally out of control and i i just want to be a good mum and and i'm failing and i i want help with your husband and also just deciding that you needed help how how did you know how to get help and where to turn i actually had no idea i I had been to an AA meeting many, many years ago with my sister, who is now 20 years sober. And at the time, I was still a heavy drinker, so I kind of dismissed the whole thing um, because I just didn't feel like that was that was something I was I had a problem with at the time. And at, also at the time, I didn't feel I was brave enough to stand up in front of a room full of people and say, look, I've, I'm an alcoholic, because I didn't actually feel like an alcoholic. I felt like a naughty binge drinker who who had kind of got a bit out of control. The word alcoholic, even though I probably was, it didn't seem to fit with me. So I, I definitely believe in AA and I know it works for a lot of people, but it's not the path that I chose. I chose to, um, I actually just looked online for a therapy, for a therapist, a local therapist, and I tried to find somebody who had had experience in addiction counselling because I, I realised with all that panic and anxiety that I was not able to stop doing something I hated. By the point of having my second child, I actually was hating drinking because I hated the 
the, the hangovers, I hated the guilt and I hated the shame, but yet I still couldn't stop. That mummy wine culture is, is very addictive. It's kind of everyone saying, we're stressed out, so let's have a wine. And it's, it's an addictive culture in itself. So it's hard to see out of it. Um, and yeah, so I didn't really know where to turn, to be honest, at first, but I just had a search online. I mean, I would have, wouldn't have minded going to like a temple in India and sitting in an ashram and being quiet. But I had two young kids at the time, so that unfortunately wasn't an option. But, but I've, I did find that somehow I found the perfect person. It was just a local lady who had a, a business called Breaking Free, and it was about connecting with the person that I was as a child and all of those things that we've talked about, about those habits that I saw growing up and learning why I was such a big drinker. And when I laid everything out on the table with her in her tiny office in this, you know, in this little village near where I live, um, we worked out all my reasons why. Um, and that was how I managed to quit, basically. It was, it was how I learned who, what I was made of, I suppose. It was a very, very long process of getting therapy and deciding to give up drinking about two and a half years ago. Actually, it's about 1,000 days ago, not that I'm counting. It was interesting to, to revisit myself at different ages in my life and find out what I was feeling. I didn't know that was, that was a, a type of therapy that you do. So these kind of visualizations that we did of me as a child really gave me insight into who I became. Um, there was a bit of a bullying situation at school where, where some friends of mine turned their backs on me and I was left to to eat lunches on my own and, and became very unpopular. Popularity was huge for me. As it is a lot of teenage kids, you want to be part of, part, of the, part of the crowd and you want to fit in. And I had an experience at that young age where all of a sudden I'd gone from being popular girl to to sitting on my own and and not wanting to go to school every day and it, I think it was a lot to do with that funnily enough because there wasn't really any huge trauma in my life I mean I've had a very a very good life a happy life but there were some things that happened that that caused me to feel like I wasn't worthy so this situation with my friends led me to want to be accepted by people and want to keep friends and the only way I knew how to keep friends was by entertaining people so I was always funny always jokey and I found that drinking made me more of that so not only did I want to keep people around I wanted them to stay so it was very interesting to learn that because I'd never ever considered the reasons why. I just thought I want to stop drinking. I'm going to learn how to stop drinking. But it wasn't that at all. It was more me laying my life out on the table and picking the bits out that were relevant and learning why I was who I was. Whereas before I drowned it all out with booze, any feelings, you know, happy, sad, emotional, stressed, I, I just went for the wine. And now I don't do that. I have to deal with all these problems straight on. I think sometimes people think like, you know, as soon as you get sober, life's all about fun and, you know, rainbows and unicorns. But actually, I am certainly not either of those. I am hiding in the bathroom and crying on my own in the shower. I find parenting hard still. 
I mean, I love my children. I've actually, the one of the joys of my sobriety was that I, I had a third baby at 41. So I've, I'm 43 now and I've got this crazy two-year-old to run after. I've got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. You have to deal with the side effects of sobriety, which are a very, a, a huge feeling of rawness. Suddenly you're like this open book, like an open flower that's that feels the rain and the wind and the, and the sun on your petals. Do you know what I mean? It's like you feel everything. So you have to process everything as well. And also I get to experience the happier moments and store them away inside my my body instead of lying in bed the next morning going, what the bloody hell did I do last night? So my life is full on. Actually, I don't have time to think about drinking anymore, but I would have been preoccupied with it before. So now I just get to live my life. I don't have something else, this cloud over me following me around, feeling like I have to be drunk to be fun or be drunk to be accepted. I can just live and enjoy my children doesn't mean to say I don't hate them at times <laughs> I do I do hate them in certain moments like where they're not getting their shoes on and we're running out the door and I'm crying out like a crazy person but but it's just better that's all I can say I deal with things better and I, I'm present and available for them and that's my most important thing was to be present and available for my children and that's what it comes down to sobriety is about love for yourself and love for your family that love so that's really it always comes back to that and actually I'm pretty much the same person not this boozy crazy person I mean I'm still a bit of a crazy yeah. person but just not boozy <laughs> I'm still fun I'm still outgoing I'm still confident I'm still the one that makes the filthy jokes that hasn't gone it's just that I remember everything I have clear conversations my interactions with my friends are much more satisfying and that my friends can see me um, and see who I am with all of that ethanol drained off my body. Once you decided to be sober, it sounds like you picked up a pen almost at the same time. Was, Not at the same time. Well, pretty much, seamless. pretty much, to be honest. Funnily enough, I, I wrote a a series of children's books when I was pregnant with my first child. But at the time, I thought it was the hormones in the body, like these pregnancy hormones that were making me want to write. <laughs> I didn't put it down to the boozing until the second baby when I felt like writing again. It was actually the, the, the lack of alcohol in my body. It wasn't anything to do with the hormones. So yeah, so it was definitely pen to paper. It was because my mind, I didn't realise I was a writer. I knew that I always enjoyed writing long, drawn-out emails and making funny jokes on on Facebook and things. I knew that I could make people laugh with my words, but I didn't know that I could do it in this way. And I started to write what was originally a diary of everything that I was going through and everything I was feeling being, being you know, this this newfound party pooper and a non-drinker and my diary actually turned into a book I've written a book on on my sober journey about sober parenting and about everything that's happened to me since deciding to give up drinking and then since then I've been writing a blog a kind of weekly update of what it's like to be a sober parent and I cover everything from you know being an honest mum to being a failing mum 
to being a mum that finds it hard not to lean on wines to get through and everything else in between. So writing has really been my outlet since giving up drinking. It's it's replaced the booze. So I'm thoroughly enjoying writing about what's what's going on in my funny little head. <laughs> You mentioned just now the importance of having being an honest mom and also just highlighting some of the failures or just exposing them on the internet. Is that yeah. something that is important to you? I definitely want to be a sort of antidote to the usual Instagram updates. I'm definitely not a powder. I don't want to be expressing a view of my life that makes me look perfect. Uh, I, it definitely isn't perfect. And the struggle that most of us as mums, as anybody with any sort of mental health issue or addiction or, or any personal issues that are going on at all, even with relationships, I think exposing that is what's going to help heal not only me, but other people. But yeah, don't expect me to be doing yoga poses on the beach or it's more like me crying in a cupboard on my own and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's not your average uh, Instagram page or blog. It's, it's me really telling it how it is and, and admitting that I do find parenting hard and boring and stressful and all of those things that which, which we all do. Um, it's not just my Facebook highlights. It's definitely the lowlights as well, which is important, I think. Yeah, I love that candor and also specifically calling out those yoga poses that yeah. I'm just always like, how are they so flexible? Like instantly and always in front of like a sunset at the right time. I know, doing a little Buddha pose. I know. I'll just flick through those now. <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I might like them just, just to be nice. <laughs> If anyone's even questioning your your drinking habit, it, it might be time to reach out. That's really my message. And, and I really, truly believe that you can't do this on your own, as I couldn't. I tried for years. I was shit at moderation. It just wasn't a possibility for me. So I highly recommend getting help no matter where you sit on that scale, because, because otherwise you're going to be on this kind of drinking spiral forever. And it's not a necessary part of life. I mean, it, it's sold to us like it is, but but that sort of fake advert that drinking is what is how we have fun, it really needs to be redefined because actually you are what is fun and you are worthy and you matter. And I'm so pleased that that my honesty and my my brutal honesty at times is what some people can can rely upon and 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 reach out for for help with I, I just want to thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself and your story and and also creating a community where other people can go I would love if you could share where people can find you if they are sober curious or just want to reach out to you so my website is drunkmummysobermummy.com um, my instagram is at drunkmummysobermummy um, and my sober social group um, is called the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. If you just put that into the the search tool in Facebook, that should come up with that group, and anyone's welcome to join that. But um, yeah, just hop onto any of those and give me a shout. And if you're questioning your alcohol intake, just give me a, pop me an email at drunkmummysobermummy at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any questions you have or point you in the right direction. 
All right, well, I better go and cook breakfast for these brats, I reckon. It's probably about that time. <laughs> they're probably all starving. My husband's out there doing some porridge, I think, so they're all right. Ooh, sounds that good. That coffee time has come. Thank you.